everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Topics for this week, first off the rank is an article published on Stuff on the 25th of May. Reserve Bank hikes official cash rate to 2% and plots course to 4% next year. Second topic is from the New Zealand Herald on the 23rd of May. Um, pain predicted to outweigh gains in house prices. Third topic on stuff, the 21st of May, squeezed middle. An economist sees people without kids not on minimum wage under new pressure. And topic four, the New Zealand Mortgage Mag on the 24th of May published uh, most borrowers ahead on payments. Last but not least in stuff on the 24th of May, when will full impact of interest rate rises hit? Okay, so we'll kick off today's session with the article published in stuff on the 25th of May, Reserve Bank hikes official cash rate to 2% and plots course to 4% next year. So on Wednesday the 25th, the Reserve Bank raised the OCR to 2% as a measure to dampen inflation, which is currently running at a 31-year high in New Zealand. The jump by 50 basis points means that the present OCR is at its highest level since 2016. Now, interesting to note is that in is in 2016, the average one-year fixed interest rates were 4.41%. They're currently averaging 4.369%, so that's pretty close to give you an indication as to how it compared last time it was at that level. The RBNZ also increased its forecast on how high the OCR might rise over the next three years. It's now predicting the rate to climb to 3.4% by the end of this year and peak at 3.9% from June next year. So that's interesting as a comparison. Uh, because if it hits 3.4%, last time it did that, uh, we had interest rates of about 5.48%. And in order to hit an OCR of 3.4%, we've only got four OCR announcements left this year. So that's potentially two more increases of 0.5% plus another two increases of 0.25%. So it is interesting to point out the fact that the OCR has traditionally always been either a round number or 0.25. So it'll it'll be, for example, one, um, 1.25, 1.5, 1.75, and then two, you know, just to give you a bit of an idea. So with the peak of 3.9% in the OCR predicted by middle of next year, uh, the last time it was that high was in December 2008 when it was 5% before dropping to 3.5% in January 2009. One-year interest rates in December 2008 was 7.115% and in January they dropped down to 5.969%. So I think potentially interest rates could hit 7% before the middle of next year before they start coming down again. So this that's where you need to be a bit careful uh, when it comes to deciding what interest rate to fix things on. Don't fix things long term at that point, even if the long term rates are cheaper, because you will regret it. And if you're breaking interest rates when interest rates are falling, that's when you pay big break fees and some of them can be absolutely horrific. Okay, so uh, the 
ASB Chief Economist Nick Tuffley believes that the Reserve Bank's new OCR forecast will imply a higher OCR peak and a faster pace of tightening in the coming years. On a positive note, the Reserve Bank is forecasting the OCR to fall by the end of 2024, like I said, which is good news for those people who have mortgages already. Uh, The Reserve Bank also announced that they're expecting house prices to drop 14% from their November peak by 2024, with about a third of the decline having already occurred. Now, in my opinion, I'm not expecting house prices to drop that much. I think we're more likely to see a correction rather than a crash because people still want to buy houses, they just can't all get lending. Because obviously the higher interest rates are, the higher the bank test rates are when they come to calculate what your servicing is. So it's harder to get lending at the moment. Uh, But I do think it's a good move for the Reserve Bank to increase the OCR quite rapidly at this point, even if it does cause a bit of a hard economic landing, so to speak, because short and sharp is always better than long, drawn out and painful. All right, so the Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr explained that the reason why it went ahead with the 50 basis point increase, despite the risks, was because of how difficult it would be to rein back inflation if inflationary expectations got away from the bank. Heightened global economic uncertainty and higher inflation were dampening global and domestic consumer confidence, the Reserve Bank said in its statement. House prices have also declined, reflecting in part higher mortgage interest rates and increased supply of housing. So you've got to remember that the Reserve Bank's main policy is around controlling inflation. That's their main focus. They do have to take into account now the the property values in New Zealand too. So that's part of the remit. National Party finance spokesperson Nicola Willis said that rising interest rates will be difficult to manage for people battling the cost of living crisis and this will create more pain for mortgage holders. She added that the risk of inflation existed long before Russia invaded Ukraine and the problem is worsening due to government spending. I do think it's interesting that in a recent Reserve Bank commentary, they made comment about how in periods of high inflation, it's really important that central governments rein in their spending. So, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Reserve Bank was feeling quite frustrated with the last budget, which seemed to increase quite a bit of spending in a number of different areas. Okay, so the Reserve Bank's tough monetary policy statement had an immediate impact on financial markets with the New Zealand dollar gaining about 0.5 US cents to trade at US 64.8 cents. Capital economics economist, (laughs) there's another tongue twister. Why do I always get the tongue twisters in these podcasts? Capital economics economist Ben Udy describes the bank as hawkish in its statement, but emphasised that it now sees sees rates falling towards the end of its three-year forecast period. He said that the housing downturn will influence the Reserve Bank to cut rates in 2023. So, we will watch this space with interest, obviously, and uh, yeah, my my prediction is that this is going to slow down the economy a bit faster, and I think that's their intention. So hopefully, we might actually reach the peak of this interest rate cycle a little bit sooner rather than later because of the increases in the OCR. All right, so second topic on in the New Zealand Herald on the 23rd of May, 
property pain predicted to outweigh gains in house prices. So most homeowners are still making a profit from reselling their home, but this can change as prices begin to drop further. According to CoreLogic's pain and gain survey, 99.1% of properties resold in the three months to March 22 made a gross profit or gain on the previous purchase price. This is a small decrease compared to 99.3% in the last quarter of 2021. CoreLogic New Zealand's chief property economist, Calvin Davidson, said that although there's no visible shifts yet, people can expect to see the impact soon. Davidson believes that it will take time for falling housing prices to have an effect on capital gains built up over several years of ownership. The median resale profit dropped slightly from 435000 to 406000 in the last quarter of 2021. Davidson said the figures are consistent with the wider market slowdown. He said it will take some time before any substantial declines will be seen in profit-making resales. Auckland and Wellington had the biggest falls for properties resold for a gross profit, while Christchurch and Dunedin had no change quarter to quarter. Hamilton and Tauranga saw gains with all deals making a gross profit for the seller. I think it is important to remember that property investing is a long-term strategy. So a booming market is a bit easier if you're looking at trading property or flipping properties. Uh, In a slower property market, you reduce your risk by using the long-term buy and hold strategies. Absolutely. Don't try and time the market. If you want to learn more about the fundamentals of property investing, join me at one of our free beginner's guide to property investment events available online or in person in our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. Third topic for today's session is from Stuff on the 21st of May, the squeezed middle. An economist says people without kids, not on the minimum wage, are under new pressure. I thought this article was really interesting. So when we're talking about the squeezed middle, we're referring to a social group that has income too low to support comfortable living standards, but it's not low enough to exempt them from higher tax rates or to qualify for government assistance. And that the phrase has gained popularity among politicians in recent years. CTU economist Craig Rennie notes that the $350 middle-class living cost payment for people earning up to $70,000 that the government announced this week clearly aimed at people belonging to that middle-income bracket. This shows that inflation's moving up the income brackets and is putting serious inflation pressures on a larger portion of the population for the first time in a long time. This is coming through increased mortgage interest, rent and fuel prices. He said the poorest 20% of households have been facing inflation running at a higher rate than that, affecting the richest 20% for a long time. Rennie believes that the government's welfare reform, which mostly focuses on families, puts people who are childless at a disadvantage. And this is most evident when it comes to boosting incomes. 38% of people who don't have kids didn't get a pay rise last year, and that could mean that they're more presently affected by financial hardship. Mechanisms such as the living wage and the minimum wage protected people at the lower end of the income scale and had kept their income lifting, but those who were above were left to fend for themselves. A comparison was made by Infometrics economist Gareth Kennan between the take-home pay of a minimum wage worker and that of a person earning $90,000. His findings showed that a minimum wage worker without a student loan and two kids 
would get $970 a week, while someone with a student loan and without kids would get $628. Someone on a $90,000 salary with no student loan and two kids would get $1,313 a week, while someone on $90,000 with a student loan and no children would receive almost $300 less at $1,098. Kenan said that everybody's being squeezed by rising prices and lower to middle income people will generally have less money to spare, but inflation's pushing those middle income earners into a higher income tax bracket, which hasn't been adjusted in more than a decade. There was also increasing pressure through home loan rates. For homeowners, the lift in mortgage rates far outweighs any other living cost increases that are occurring. Kenan said that the interest rate increases need to be put in perspective against unexpected interest rate declines during 2020 and 2021. For longer-term homeowners, mortgage servicing costs are really burdensome because they were prior to the pandemic and a good measure would have been to take advantage of really low rates in the last two years to reduce one's mortgage quickly. Okay, certainly the advice that we've been giving to our clients here at Property Apprentice, we've been saying if you can afford to pay your mortgage off faster when interest rates were low, do that. Because you've got to remember that the long term average one year interest rate in New Zealand is about 6.5%. Okay, so we've had really low interest rates up until now, and they're just sort of coming back closer towards that long-term average, but they've been low for so long that people got used to it. They forgot that interest rates can get higher, and now we're starting to see that that side of things coming back. Kenan suggests that the government should address issues around the supply of housing. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, He added that a return towards more normal interest rates will undo some of the side effects of unsustainable house prices. So that's um, potentially increasing interest rates will further slow down the property market as the economy slows down again. All right, so topic number four, the New Zealand Mortgage Mag on the 24th of May. Most borrowers are ahead on payments, which is great news. So this is going back to what we were talking about. When interest rates were low, uh, people should have been paying their mortgage off at a faster rate, especially if they'd had good financial advice. So data from the New Zealand Bankers Association show that 44% of people with home loans are ahead on their payments and just 2% of customers were behind on their loan payments. Considering that we've come through what we're still in the process of coming through a pandemic, um, that's actually quite impressive. In New Zealand, 1.2 million bank customers have got a home loan worth 296000 on average. Of this number, around 56,000 new home loans were written from July to December 2021, and a quarter of those loans were for first-home buyers. Bankers Association Chief Executive Roger Beaumont said it's likely people are ahead as they've retained their repayments as interest rates declined. If you can afford to pay the mortgage at a higher interest rate, when interest rates drop, just keep your mortgage payments at that higher rate and you make really significant headway into repaying your mortgage. 
Okay, others have increased their repayments further in order to get ahead or to repay their loan more quickly. And that's a sign that a number of people are in a really good financial position, even with rising interest rates. On the downside, banks received 7.5% more complaints than in the previous six months, although they did deal with them more quickly. Details regarding the complaints found on the Banking Ombudsman website showed that banks were exonerated after making small payments to people falling victim to online scams. Banks were also broadly successful in cases involving the failed purchase of a domain name at an auction, absence of life insurance to safeguard a loan, disputes over interconnected loans, among other things. In other stats from the NZBA, the use of cash continued to decline. I mean, I never carry cash. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Maybe the main reason I don't carry cash is because as soon as I've got some, my daughter takes it. So from 4.8%, it only accounts to 3.7% of all transactions within a branch now. NZBA also reported that 70 million customer transactions were made in branches of a bank, which only accounts for a tiny fraction of the total number of customer transactions. You know, we do all seem to be moving more online these days, don't we? It's a lot more convenient. And I think COVID's really helped that as well. People were forced to um, learn how to do online banking, for example, even if they had never done it before. The study by the NZBA last year, which examined 10 main retail banks and their activities from July to December 2021, revealed that just 2.3 million customers had credit cards with an average monthly spending of 2,000 per card. 68.5% of cards are paid in full in each month, so people avoid paying any interest, which is a smart move. Uh, it's a small increase of 2.5% compared with the previous six-month period. Last but not least for today's podcast, we've got an article from Stuff on the 24th of May, When Will the Full Impact of Interest Rate Rises Hit? Economists believe that the full effect of rising interest rates will be felt by households towards the end of this year. The Reserve Bank, like I said earlier, they increased the OCR by 50 basis points, which takes it to 2%. That level was last seen in 2016. Mortgage rates are already much higher than they were the last time the OCR was at this level, depending on which term rates you're looking at. As I mentioned, the one-year fixed rates are about the same as what they were. The long-term interest rates are absolutely higher, um, but yeah, year fixed rates are pretty comparable to where they were. And the OCR has always traditionally affected the shorter-term interest rates much more than the longer-term ones. The long-term interest rates tend to, um, the banks tend to source those funds from other areas. The main banks are now offering special one-year rates of 449 to 5.55% compared to 2.21% in June last year. So that is a significant increase, but remember we're still not even back to the long-term average yet, which is closer to 6.5%. So that means that if someone fixed a $500,000 loan for a year last June, their repayments on a 25-year term could increase from just over $1,000 a fortnight by an extra $281 to $1,281. An analysis by the Reserve Bank early this year showed that if mortgage rates jumped to 5%, almost 20% of recent first-home buyers will face serviceability stress. Should it rise to 6%, nearly half of first-home buyers, in addition to investors and some existing owner-occupiers, will be feeling the pressure. So 
when banks were were testing mortgage interest rates, um, when interest rates were down around the two percent mark, banks were crunching numbers at around the six to six and a half percent interest rate. So the bank thought that it was affordable, but in reality you should always double check your own cash flow on mortgages before you purchase a property. We recommend testing interest rates. Uh, if you want to go for the long-term average, we would recommend that you test your interest rates at 7 or even 7.5% and just manage your expiry rates carefully. At present, two-year rates are above 5% and will potentially go higher. I think they will almost definitely go higher. The Reserve Bank Financial Stability Report states that newer borrowers were more vulnerable to falling house prices and rising interest rates because they wouldn't have repaid as much of their loans and they could have had their ability to service a mortgage assessed on lower rates than what they're currently being assessed on. In general, the proportion of risky lending, which is high debt-to-income ratio and loan-to-value ratio, that's increased sharply for all buyer groups. Due to tighter loan-to-value rules in recent months, however, there's fewer first-home buyers that are taking out risky lending. Kiwi Bank Chief Economist Jared Kerr thinks that rising interest rates will slow lending activity by the end of the year. He said about 60% of mortgages were currently on floating rates or they'd refix within the next 12 months. He anticipates that by the end of the year, most of them will have all cleared, and people who were fixing at 2 or 3.5% will all of a sudden fix at a much higher rate. ANZ Chief Economist Sharon Zolner said that when any asset turned, the people who entered the market most recently were the ones that were most stressed. However, you know, if they have been careful with their interest rates, we talk about splitting your your mortgage so you don't have the whole amount coming off a fixed term at the same time. There are different ways that you can manage your mortgage uh, to reduce the risk of increasing interest rates. As a whole, the household debt to income ratio isn't much higher than it was in 2008. And since banks have been testing people at mortgage rates higher than current rates, like I said earlier, they should be able to handle further increases. Zona said that if the OCR hit the 3.5% mark, then um, bank rates would be near the rate that had been checked. Zona said that at the high cost of living and 7% inflation at present were not factored in during those tests, but incomes will eventually catch up. She adds that their view is more of seeing house prices as the weaker link in the chain and will determine how high the OCR can go before the wheels fall off. There's a cheerful thought. Mortgage advisor David Windler said that he was not seeing people in trouble yet. Many borrowers would have fixed for longer terms a year ago, he said. A few months ago, the majority of people were fixing for two or three year terms. So, yeah, it's just more recently that people have been taking sort of one year fixed rates as preference. Another advisor, Bruce Patton at Loan Market, said that many people have been told to keep their payments the same when interest rates dropped, so weren't struggling now, which is good news. So moral of the story is that if you're looking at getting a mortgage, make sure you test your own cash flow at a much higher interest rate than we've got at the moment. I would recommend testing your cash flow at 7 or 7.5% to make sure you can afford it. Look to see if there's areas, you know, if you if you already have a, a home, look to see if there's areas that you can cut back your spending because 
this is the time where you might have to tighten your belt because obviously you want to keep paying your mortgage. And if you do get yourself into some stress financially, then talk to the bank sooner rather than later. You know, talk to your mortgage advisor sooner rather than later to see if there's something that can be done. Banks do not like taking people to mortgagee, but if you don't talk to them, that makes it much harder for them to help you. All right. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week in review and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. 